Good afternoon and welcome to our spring statement webinar. I am Sharice and I am the events manager here at Corona Rye. Um, so I just want to well, recognise the importance of the spring statement and how it impacts you, especially in the businesses. And this is why we bring together a panel of experts who work hard and take a lot of their time out to put together um, this webinar that we have for you today and also the spring statement report that we have available to download in tomorrow's follow up email. So today our panel of experts will be giving their opinions in what the spring statement has brought to us this time round and Paul will be leading this panel um, as he is the head of our tax content with his team and each speaker will give their own update and their own opinion on how it will affect you. Now without further ado I'm going to hand you over to Paul, thank you. Thanks Cherise uh, and uh, a very warm welcome to uh, the Spring Statement 2022 webinar from Corona Eye. My name is Paul Robbins, I'm the Tax Content Manager at Corona Eye and I'll be chairing today's webinar. In the run-up to yesterday's statement, uh, we actually wondered whether it was worth holding a webinar at all. The Chancellor had apparently set his face against doing anything more than a gentle run-through of the latest forecasts from the Office for Budgetary Responsibility. In the end, I'm, I'm glad we stuck to our guns and prepared thoroughly because what we got was uh, more a mini budget than a spring statement. The Chancellor set out some very significant changes for us to cover today. But before we do that, we're going to start with a poll, as Cherise uh, said. So our question for you today is, did the Chancellor get the balance right between protecting the public finances and supporting hard-pressed hard taxpayers? So a simple yes or no uh, answer, please. So uh, what, we're, what we're doing today is we've pulled together a, 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 some members from our in-house team of tax experts who will explain the key announcements from yesterday and also cover some other recent changes that are relevant. Um, and this is the uh, the order of play, if you like, for today uh, with the various different speakers. And I'll say a little bit about each in turn before they begin their presentations. So the first one is from Stephen Ralph, who's our deputy tax content manager. And Stephen will be taking us through the implications of yesterday's announcements for OMBs. He's a chartered tax advisor and chartered accountant. He was head of the technical team at the Chartered Institute of Taxation. And before that, worked in practice for PwC and in industry for Northern Rock. So over to you, Stephen. Great, thank you, Paul, and good afternoon, everyone. So as Paul mentioned today, I'm going to cover some developments from yesterday and over the last few weeks, uh, which are relevant to owner-managed businesses. But that said, some of the points I'll cover will be relevant to other types of taxpayer, including larger companies, and equally, some of the areas my colleagues will cover may also apply to OMBs. So I'm going to start with capital allowances. Okay. So we know from yesterday's spring statement that the Chancellor wants to use the tax system to incentivise capital investment. According to the government, UK companies invest in an amount equivalent to 10% of GDP each year. This is lower than the average investment across the competitor countries, 
and it is thought that is one of the underlying causes of the UK's productivity gap. For the Chancellor, the blame lies with the tax system in that it does not do enough to encourage businesses to invest. Now, if that's correct, that is the case, then it's only going to get worse from April 2023, when the super deduction drops away and the maximum amount of the EIA, Annual Investment Allowance, is significantly reduced. So a quick recap then, the super deduction gives a 130% first year allowance for expenditure incurred by companies on new main rate platinum machinery. It was very welcome when it was introduced, but unfortunately it is only temporary. It is not available for expenditure incurred from the 1st of April 2023. And also from that date, the maximum amount of the AIA drops from £1 million to £200,000. The AIA is also very popular, giving 100% first year allowance for platinum machinery for all businesses, uh, not just companies. So in light of this, and in view of the challenging economic climate, the government has announced its intention to reform the capital allowances rules. The government's plans will be subject to consultation later in the year, with the changes expected to take place from April next year. So just waiting for the next slide to come up. Okay, so when it comes to what form these changes may take, all we have to go on at the moment is a few short paragraphs in the spring statement document. Based on that, possible changes include one or a combination of the following. First of all, setting the AIA at half a million pounds and making a commitment to keep it at that figure. This would provide year one relief for the great majority of businesses and also would enable them to plan with confidence. For businesses that spend above the AIA, the government is considering accelerating relief by introducing new first year allowances, possibly at 40% for main rate assets and at 13% for special rate assets and increasing the rates of writing down allowances. Uh, these two measures would improve the business's cash flow, but they wouldn't do a great deal to simplify the capital allowances regime. Next, the government is considering introducing a new first year allowance at 20%. So that combined with the other allowances, the business may claim relief equal to 100% of the expenditure over the period of the asset. This would be generous, but it would add more complexity to the system, as we've seen with the super deduction and the rules around disposals. Finally, the government could go with full expensing, allowing full relief in year one. Essentially, this is the AIA with no cap. Now that would be a significant simplification, but it would come at a significant cost to the government. So as I say, that is all we know at the moment, uh, but we are planning a webinar for next month, which includes a capital allowances section. And so it may be that we will know more then. Okay, just moving on now to the taxation of profits. And in the case of companies, profit extraction. 
We've known for some time now that the main rate of corporation tax will increase to 25% from April 2023. And there was no suggestion yesterday that the government intends to depart from this plan. Equally well publicised has been the changes to the rates of NICs, and my colleague Martin will cover these in his section of the webinar. But a point that may not be as well known is that the increase in NICs associated with the new health and social care levy also impacts on the rates of income tax on dividends. As can be seen on the slide, all three rates of tax increased are increasing from April, with, for example, the dividend upper rate rising to 33.75% from 32.5%. Now, clearly this will need to be factored into profit extraction strategies and communicated to clients. Connected to this change, there is also an increase in the rate of Section 455 tax. This is the tax paid by a close company on a loan made to a participator. Now the tax is linked to the dividend upper rate, and so it will be 33.75% for loans made on or after the 6th of April. The tax treatment of directors' loans can cause issues in practice, not just with regard to Section 455, but also around benefit and kind issues, and where the debt is released rather than repaid. We did cover a lot of these issues in a recent webinar, uh, so if you would welcome a refresher on that subject, uh, it may be worth watching the recording. Finally, for this slide, the government announced yesterday that the basic rate of income tax would reduce from 20% to 19% from April 2024. Income tax on non-savings and non-dividend income is a devolved matter, so it does remain to be seen what impact, if any, uh, this will have on rates in Scotland and in Wales. Okay, next for me, I just want to spend a few minutes on basis period reform. Just waiting for the slide to come up. Okay. So this did not feature at all in yesterday's speech, but it does remain a significant change for sole traders and partners. And it is now law having been included in Finance Act 2022. I'll only have time to provide a quick summary of the rules today, but we will be doing a lot more on this over the next few months, as I'll come on to later. So then for the tax year 2024-25, and for subsequent tax years, the taxpayer will be taxed on their trade income from the period from 6 April to the following 5 April. So for 24-25, this is the profits from 6 April 24 to 5 April 25. And broadly, 31 March is treated as 5 April for these purposes. Now this has been badged as a simplification, but it's not going to feel like that for those taxpayers who have and who retain an accounting date other than the 31st of March or the 5th of April. Those taxpayers, referred to as affected taxpayers, will need to apportion their profits to the tax year on a time basis. 2023-24 is a transition year, bridging the gap between basis periods and the tax year basis. For this year, the taxpayer is taxed on the profits for the period beginning immediately after the end of the previous basis period 
and ending on the 5th of April 2024, less any overlap relief. So for the affected taxpayer, this may mean that their taxable profits are higher than they would have been, although there will be some relief in that the additional profits are spread over five years. Further, and to reduce the impact on allowances and benefits, taxes calculated on the additional amount separately. So a very quick example, a sole trader prepares her accounts to 30 September. Trade income for the year ended 30 September 2023 is £20,000 and it's £30,000 for the following year. She has overlap profits of £3,000. Her basis period for 23-24 is made up of a standard part and a transition part. The standard part is the year ended 30 September 2023 and so the profit of £20,000. The transition part is the period 1 October 2023 to 5 April or 31 March 2024. The profits for the transition period are the 6 twelfths of the profit for the year ended 30 September 2024, less the overlap profits to give £12,000. This is then spread over five years so that the amount to bring into account for 23-24 is £2,400. In total, the taxpayers' taxable profits for 23-24 are £22,400, which is £2,400 higher than they would have been under the basis period rules. Also, there will be an additional amount of £2,400 to bring in in each of the next four tax years. Now, clearly, this could have a significant impact on the tax liabilities of some individuals, and so it is important that thought is given to it sooner rather than later. As I mentioned earlier, we will be doing more on this in the next few months, including a webinar which you can register for now. Back to Paul. Thanks, Stephen. No, some, some really important points there for, for everybody to think about. And, and uh, as you say, it'll be interesting to see in what direction the whole capital allowances regime goes next. Right, next we have uh, company tax with Glyn Fullerlove. So Glyn is a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor as well. He spent 20 years in head of tax roles for UK-based quoted multinational companies. He chaired the Chartered Institute of, Tax of Taxation's Technical Committee and was their president from May 2019 to November 2020. So over to you, Glyn. Thank you, Paul. Now, Croner I are usually right on matters of interest to large businesses. And the two matters I'm going to cover today, R&D tax credits and online sales tax, are certainly of interest to large business, but they will also be of great interest to many smaller and medium-sized businesses as well. So hopefully, just waiting for my slide to come up. Yeah. Excellent. So we'll start with R&D tax reliefs. And the Chancellor announced changes to R&D tax reliefs in his speech yesterday. But in reality, this was part two of a story he started last November, with part three to come in the autumn of 2022. Overall, the measures announced are going to expand reliefs to include a wider range of costs 
data, cloud computing, and pure maths costs are being added to the definition of R&D from April 2023, but there's also some restriction of relief to costs incurred outside the UK. However, um, those restrictions were relaxed a little yesterday. More compliance is also coming around the making of claims from April 2023. And part three, the Chancellor is looking at further reform, particularly in relation to the Ardex scheme, which is mainly used by larger companies. We'll get some further detail on this in the autumn, although I expect if there are measures to make changes to the Ardex scheme, they will also come into effect in April 2023. So to hopefully we can look at these in a little more detail. Uh, yep, so let's look at the expanded reliefs first. So the uh, license payments for data sets used in R&D projects are going to be added to the costs eligible for relief from April next year. And that's for both schemes, SME and ARDIC. However, the data set has to be used for a specific R&D project. It can't be resold and it must have no value once the project is finished. The extension of relief to cloud computing costs was also announced in November, but the spring statement clarified that all such costs associated with R&D, including storage, will qualify. So that was a welcome clarification around cloud computing. And finally, the spring statement added the category of costs of, on pure mathematics to the costs that can be allowed again from April 2023. So is this a case of adding pi to the pi? So we'll turn to the restrictions. Here we go. Uh, so the restrictions which were announced in November are that any subcontracted R&D work must be carried on in the UK to qualify and costs of externally provided workers must be on a UK payroll. So this, this was announced in November as a refocusing of costs of R&D release to work carried on in the UK. This restriction, these restrictions were relaxed yesterday to allow continued relief where work has to be carried on outside the UK for geographical or regulatory reasons. It appears that the Treasury has realized that we have a lack of features such as active volcanoes and deep sea ocean trenches in the UK. In any event, the restrictions did not and will not apply to consumables and only affect the ability to claim enhanced reliefs, not the, just, not the normal corporation tax deductibility of such expenditures. So the compliance changes, all these were announced in November and there were no changes announced yesterday. Um, the measures uh, announced around making claims are going to be, sorry, measures around making claims uh, were announced in November to make the, uh, tighten the restrictions around making claims. 
and this is to counter boundary pushing claims often assisted by dubious advisors mainly interested in taking a cut of a cash rebate and the measures you can see are on the screen most of those were welcomed by the professional bodies as sensible safeguards however giving advance notice of, how, of making a claim is not seen as adding much to safeguards and insofar as it accelerates a claim deadline may lead to genuine claims not being made in time and these changes will come into force in april 2023 alongside the extensions to relief and the restrictions already mentioned so turning to part three of the story the uh, further reforms independent research has indicated that the country gets more bang for its buck in terms of incremental r d spend from the ardex scheme the research and development expenditure credit scheme than from the sme scheme the ardex gives an above the line 13 percent credit on qualifying expenditure and this credit can be set against tax liabilities however the credit credit itself is taxable so the net benefit is 10.53% of qualifying expenditure. The net benefit would fall to 9.75% in April 2023 when the corporation tax rates go up to 25, that's at a 25% rate. So some reform was likely in any event. And the Chancellor is apparently seeking to rebalance the RDEX scheme against the SME scheme. Now, we don't have any details at the moment. More details have been promised in the autumn. A credit rate of a little above 14% is needed simply for the RDEC to stand still, but I think we will be looking at something rather more substantial and possibly even a scaling back of the SME scheme in favor of a more generous RDEC scheme. That's all I have to say on uh, research and development reliefs. And I'm just going to spend a couple of minutes talking about online sales tax. And prior to the spring statement, about a month ago, a consultation on the possible introduction of an online sales tax was issued by the Treasury. This is a very broad consultation exercise, and it covers whether there will be an OST at all. Um, it Goes, it covers many of the areas of detail that need to be examined and how much uh, an OST might raise. But the consult, even though it's so broad, the consultation does reveal something around government thinking on the purpose of an OST and broadly what it might look like. So, so the purpose would be to raise a modest amount of revenue and that revenue would be used to allow a reduction in business rates so it's aimed at rebalancing the tax burden between the high street and online retailers it's explicit that the, the government's not trying to uh, make behavioral change it's not trying to stop people buying things online in effect it's just following the money following where the tax base is moving to, which is online and away from the high street. So what do we know about the design uh, of the tax? What would be taxed? 
but it would be a tax on goods and services and possibly some services sold by online means. It definitely would not be a tax on digital services. So it is a tax on the purchase of a vacuum cleaner bought on Amazon, whether you buy it direct from Amazon or a seller on Amazon Marketplace. But it's not a tax on fees paid to Amazon to sell a vacuum cleaner on the marketplace, nor is it a tax on Facebook's advertising revenue from vacuum cleaner manufacturers. Those were things that were caught by digital sales tax. They will not be caught by online sales tax. And what do we know about how it would operate? Well, it would definitely be a tax on sales to end consumers, but it wouldn't be a point of sales tax. So you wouldn't see it on your bill. Uh, rather, the two, the two methods the government is considering is either the retailer adds up all in-scope revenue and then pays a, what you might call a royalty of one to 2% on that revenue on a quarterly basis. Or the retailer would uh, pay a flat fee, one pound or two pounds, on every sales it makes. And again, I'd probably account for that quarterly. And uh, the indications are the first one to two million sales uh, of, of in scope online uh, on sales, in scope online sales would be exempt. So the very smallest online traders would not be caught by this. But you don't have to be that large an online trader before you would be within the scope of OST. So some of the issues that uh, the consultation recognizes. Um, the biggest issue, of course, is what is an online sale? Clearly, if you buy something um, on Amazon using your iPad or computer and it's delivered to your house, that's an online sale. But what about click and collect type sales? There's a whole variety of those from um, you know, clicking and collect from Amazon and collecting from a remote uh, Amazon station or clicking, basically a click and collect sale where somebody just picks it off the shelf in a shop and you go down and collect it from them. Ah, we've lost the slide, but I shall carry on. So that's the, that's the first um, major issue. Uh, how are business to business sales dealt with? Will they be in scope or out of scope? That's part of the consultation. And being a completely new tax, there would be a wide variety of administration requirements involved. Now, the second and third points would be covered if we just added one to 2% on, onto VAT for online sales made by larger traders. Um, and you'd probably achieve the same results um, that you would do by bringing in an OST. But the government is absolutely determined that OST is not VAT, possibly because they of those manifest, manifesto requirements. And so if it does come in, it looks like it will be a completely different tax. And with that, I'm going to hand over to Paul. Thanks very much, Glyn. So yeah, no, a, a really interesting introduction to two uh, you know, really important issues we're all going to have to keep an eye on over the next uh, uh, few months and years indeed. So th thanks again. 
Now over to Martin Jackson, who'll uh, talk us through some of the key employment tax changes. So Martin joined Krona I in 2019, having spent the previous 15 years as an advisor and team leader with our tax and payroll advice line service. So Martin, over to you. Thanks, Paul. Okay, well, I've got the short section here because I, there aren't an enormous number of changes to employment taxes, but there's one really, really big one, uh, and it's quite personal to us all as well, because it's going to affect not just employees, but the self-employed. Just bear with me while we wait for the slides to catch up with me. Uh -huh. Right, so national insurance is the main news of the day as far as employment tax is concerned and what everybody was hoping for did not come to pass um, was the planned 1.25% increase for the health and social care levy going to go ahead. Yes, it was and it definitely is going to. There's a lot of talk about it might be deferred, but no chance it's happening. Uh, but it's going to be offset slightly by other amendments to national insurance. As far as businesses are concerned, the employment allowance is being increased from its current £4,000 a year to £5,000 a year for the 22-23 tax year, which is a, uh, a straightforward £1,000 saving for employers as provided their um, national insurance bill is sufficiently high to uh, to take advantage of the full £5,000. The second change is in class one primary national insurance, that's employees, what you and me pay. That is being increased from £190 to £242 a week from the 6th of July, and my ears pricked up when I heard the 6th of July and thought, what? Why? Um, and th th there's a fairly simple and pragmatic answer to that. It's because this particular change requires an act of parliament. It can't be done by regulations, uh, which means that there's a time lag because it's got to go through the rigmarole of parliamentary approval. Um, so hence, he's allowed uh, three months to get the uh, revised legislation, which is the National Insurance Contributions Brackets Increase of Thresholds Closed Brackets Bill 2022. Uh, but um, there's, I don't think there's any doubt that that will happen. So what we're going to have is a hybrid sort of position for 22-23, where for the first three months of the year, the thresholds will be as was originally signalled at 190 pounds a week rising from july uh, onwards to 242 pounds a week so monthly equivalents then 883 pounds per month rises to 1048 from the 6th of july annual equivalent 9880 was the what was originally signalled is going up to 12570 which of course aligns it exactly with the personal allowance for income tax. Incidentally, the lower earnings limit stays at what was 
already planned to be £123 a week. So what we're talking about here is an increase in the 0% band of Class 1 national insurance. Technically, there is a liability on any earnings above £123 a week or £6,396 per year. It's just that that liability is 0% and you don't actually start to physically pay national insurance until earnings get above 12,570 per annum if you're a director on the annual earnings period um, or 1,048 uh, if you're paid monthly like me. The director's annual earnings period actually creates a, an interesting little anomaly um, because well, directors are subject to national insurance regardless of how they are actually paid their technical liability is based on their cumulative annual earnings which means that any director whose earnings have already exceeded £9,880 in the first three months will have a national insurance liability at the new rate of 13.25% So they're not going to benefit immediately from the from the up, upgrade, as it were, to 12,570. They they will already have paid some national insurance based on a threshold of 9,880, and they're not going to get those national insurance that national insurance back uh, after the 6th of July because of the wording of the legislation. Um, when the amendments come into force on the 6th of July 2022, this is a direct quote from the bill. Uh, accordingly, it does not affect any liability to primary class one contributions for any tax week commencing before that date. So if you've already if if you've already applied the annual earnings period properly on earnings in excess of 9,880, there will have been a liability for, uh, for national insurance, uh, which you're not going to get a refund of later unless somebody spots this anomaly and does something to tweak the legislation. It's not just employees, though, although that's what's been heralded mostly on uh, uh, on the Internet, as I have seen. This affects the self-employed as well. The class four lower profits limit, as it's called, is increased to £11,908 for 22-23. That's a hybrid figure. It's the equivalent of 13 weeks at the old threshold, 9,880, and 39 weeks at 12,570. So we get this hybrid of 11,908 because class four is just paid annually at the end of the year. Class two, is also a big change, a really big change in my view, that just simply hasn't been mentioned by anybody at all. There will be no class two liability on profits if they do not exceed the lower profits limit of 11,908. So that's a fairly big shift. But what it is going to also do is bring in 
I suppose you could say the equivalent of the 0% band for self-employed people, where class two contributions will be deemed to have been paid where profit exceeds what's called the lower profits threshold of 6,725. So we've, we've kind of got a 0% band for self-employed between 6,725 and 11,908. Anybody whose profits fall between that band, admittedly, that's very low profits and it's not a very wide band. But anybody whose profits fall between 6,725 and 11,908 will not have a class two national insurance liability at all, but will be deemed to have paid class two, which means that they will therefore have a qualifying year for state retirement pension purposes in the same way uh, as an owner director of a limited company typically would arrange to take a salary of between the lower earnings limit and the primary threshold to do exactly the same thing to create a qualifying year uh, for state retirement pension without actually paying national insurance so the self-employed uh, have that <laughs> kind of have that same opportunity except the uh, the drawback is that they have to make sure they don't get profits of more than 11,908 which fairly significant drawback I would have thought but it is still a, a major step in the in the right direction there uh, now on the subject of national insurance Sharice if you can just call up the national insurance calculator that we've put online I just want to demonstrate this is a this is a very simple calculator, which is available for you to download and uh, you can play with it to your heart's content. Uh, but if you type in a salary, it will tell you how much additional or alternatively how much saving you will make in respect of class one national insurance in 22-23. And it will do the same for self-employed profit. So there are some figures already in there uh, 30,576 uh, is the median salary according to the Office for National Statistics in uh, November 21, which is the latest figure available. So an average person uh, in employment, whatever average might mean, but median in this context, will save £47.45 a year, not a, not a huge amount. Um, the break-even point, I think, uh, it's been widely touted as being about £35,000 a year. I think, Sharice, if you type in 34,372, you'll see. 34? There we go, yes. So the break-even point, to be, uh, to be precise, is 34,372. Um, just put £35,000 in for me, Sheree, see what that comes up with. £35,000? £7.85, so not much in it, really. So the £35,000 does seem to be about the watershed. Um, for self-employed people, it's significantly lower. Uh, it's only 20, the, the break-even point for... Um, for the self-employed is 28,340. Any profits above 28,340 and you're going to be worse off. Stick 35,000 in, Charisse. Let's see what that comes up with. 
an extra £83.25. So uh, not wildly different, but more than uh, an employed person. The, um, the self-employed are going to be uh, hit slightly harder uh, by this national insurance change um, compared to an employed person. Thanks very much. Anyway, uh, you can type any figures you like in there and it will, um, it will give you uh, a figure as to how much better off or worse off you will be. Thanks, Sharice. Just wait for me to get control of the slides again. But that's pretty much it for employment taxes. There's a couple of things that have also been announced this week, um, not major uh, things. Uh, on Monday, the Employment Related Securities Bulletin 41 was published, which confirms that a couple of easements that had applied to EMI and Save As You Earn schemes are not going to be brought forward into, uh, into the new tax year. So for EMI shared and share option schemes, there is a requirement that to qualify, an employee must do at least 25 hours a week or 75% of their working time. And for the last two years, uh, that's been, uh, well, I won't say scrapped, but mightily adjusted to take account of the fact that lots of people who would normally have worked more than 25 hours a week clearly haven't been because they've been on furlough or possibly taken unfair, uh, unpaid leave or had their working hours reduced because of uh, coronavirus. So that easement is, is uh, disappearing, I'm afraid. So from the 6th of April, you will actually have to work 25 hours a week to qualify for EMI. And similarly for Save As You Earn schemes, uh, if you were unable to make your normal monthly savings under Save As You Earn, because, for example, you were furloughed and didn't have any uh, didn't have any earnings, or your earnings were significantly uh, reduced because of the pandemic, uh, there was an easement that said, "Well, that's okay. We'll ignore the fact that you haven't made any savings. We'll allow your your Save As You Earn scheme to continue." Um, and again, that is also. That easement is also going, although to be to be honest, that's not really going to make much difference, given that you were already allowed to make up to 12 uh, missed payments for any reason anyway. The easement was in addition to the 12, you can miss some more if it's to do with if it's to do with coronavirus. So I can't imagine that can have affected very many people. And then the last thing that I wanted to say I'm sure it'll come back to me in a minute uh, is to do with the finalissima uh, which I have to com confess oh no I beg your pardon missed one out coronavirus testing I completely forgot uh, yes this is good news. The exemption to the benefiting kind for coronavirus testing provided by employers is continuing for 22-23 uh, in whichever form it is provided, whether the employer directly provides the test, pays for third party testing, or if an employee 
uh, is reimbursed for a test cost that they have actually incurred. Um, it's only for diagnostic tests though, um, uh, but yeah, that, that is continuing for 22-23. And then the last thing I wanted to say, and this is just a bit of fun really, is the finalissima, which I bet lots of people haven't heard of. Um, but this was only announced uh, the day before yesterday. Uh, you'll be glad to hear that the non-resident accredited players, officials and other designated individuals will be exempted from income tax if, if their duties are in connection with the finalissima football match on the 1st of June, which is um, uh, Wembley between Italy and Argentina. That's the current holders of, of, of the Euros and the current holders of the Copa America. So this may or may not be good news, depending on whether you're a football fan, but when you're watching South American footballers and Italians, oh my word, yes, of course, um, uh, rolling around on the floor in, uh, in apparent agony and getting paid £10 million a year for doing it, uh, you're going to have to uh, bear the fact that they're not even being taxed on that £10 million a year. Uh, and the same goes for the uh, match officials, fourth, uh, the referee, the fourth, the fourth official and VAR, no doubt, getting decisions wrong and also doing so tax-free. Uh, but anyway, that's, um, that's pretty much it from me. I don't think that's going to affect any of us to any great degree. Thanks, Martin. Um, yeah, I, I really like the the nifty calculator. I shall be on there afterwards, seeing what impact it has for me. We have had just a, well, a quick uh, request for clarification about that. So it's asking, is the NI calculator saving extra in comparison to current 21-22 rates or to the original 22-23 increases? Um, uh, yes, good point. Uh, it, it's comparing 21-22 with 22-23. So it's comparing what what national insurance you would have paid this year with the national insurance that you are going to pay next year. And for the self-employed people, it also takes account of the very small increase in class two national insurance. So that is actually a combined class two and class four position. Perfect, thank you very much. Right, finally, um, Sarah Kay is going to cover the VAT aspects of the spring statement. So Sarah is a Charter Tax Advisor who trained with Ernst & Young. Uh, she subsequently worked for specialist VAT consultancy firms, helping a range of businesses to navigate around the increasingly complex world of VAT. So over to you, Sarah. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Thank you, Paul. Apologies there. My mouse got all excited about indirect v v tax and VAT and who can blame it. Um, yes, the first thing um, to say is obviously the Chancellor had his headline grabbing um, reduction in fuel duty. Um, he's taken 5% off um, fuel duty. That applies to the petrol and diesel that we all put in our cars and also the rest of the sort of vast menu of various hydrocarbon fuels that are caught by this uh, by this tax. That came in with effect from 6pm on the 23rd of March 2022, which I found a very aesthetically pleasing date because when I updated the, um, the rates table in our commentary, the previous big set of changes was on the 23rd of March 2011. So I'm very much hoping we wait until 2033 for the next one so I can continue being neat and tidy. Um, this is a temporary reduction. It's only going to last 12 months, although temporary with this Chancellor is a flexible beast. So we'll, we'll see about that. 
Um, it's also perhaps not as exciting as um, as as Rishi thinks it is. Um, the Times um, number crunchers this morning reported that apparently this puts fuel prices back to where they were two weeks ago. So we're not going to see a huge difference um, when we take our cars to the pumps. Um, there was a VAT um, announcement, um, a VAT cut, which um, is quite exciting in, um, for the um, installers of energy saving materials. Um, these, the installation and supply of energy saving materials, which is solar panels, insulation, central heating controls, wind and water turbines and the like, um, that is going from the 5% VAT rate down to zero with effect from the 1st of April. This is another temporary change, which is supposed to only last for five years. The, um, and as well as reducing the, um, the rate applicable to energy saving materials, the scope of this relief has been widened. Um, there were some significant changes to the reduced rating um, relief back in October 2019 as a result of a European Court of Justice case. The European Commission um, infracted against the UK because our relief was too widely drawn. And as a result of um, the Chancellor's announcement yesterday, um, the social policy condition that used to attach to this relief has been abolished and it has been extended to cover wind and water turbines. Um, the social policy condition was there because we were only allowed, um, as members of the European Union, to have the reduced rate for um, tax that had a so tax changes that had a social um, aspect to them. And so, um, sort of, as of today, you can only give VAT relief if your customer falls into certain qualified ca categories. Um, these include they might be over sixty or they might be on um, in the receipt of benefits, or if the materials that are being sold have a value of no more than 60% of the um, contract's total value. So it, the relief that was quite complicated is going, going to become um, more straightforward, wider, and the tax rate is coming down. Um, unfortunately for our friends in Northern Ireland, this only applies in Great Britain. Uh, Northern Ireland is still part of the EU single market under the Northern Ireland Protocol and um, when they're trading in goods that is and so this change can't happen in Northern Ireland. Um, they will remain stuck with our slightly more complicated um, current rules um, and in order to recompense um, this part of the UK there are going to be changes to the Barnet formula which dictate how much um, central government funding goes to Northern Ireland. We will see how these things um, pan out in future. Um, I understand the European Commission is thinking of introducing a similar relief in Europe, so possibly, hopefully, um, Northern Ireland can catch up with the rest of us, but who knows. And finally in my section, it was a little bit thin on the ground for announcements um, as far as indirect tax and VAT goes, the, the spring statement. Um, there are several changes happening um, this month that were announced at the last budget, um, or indeed budgets before. The plastic packaging tax, which is a new tax on um, plastic packaging that doesn't have um, sufficiently recycled um, component, that takes effect um, next Friday, the 1st of April, 
and we will also see increases in the rates of some of the um, environmental excise duties we have, landfill tax, climate change levy and the like. Um, at the, again, another point to mention for our um, compatriots in Northern Ireland, um, since um, Brexit, um, as I said, Northern Ireland is still part of the European Union um, when trading in goods, and um, dealers in second-hand cars have been having um, trouble because they're no longer able to use the second-hand margin scheme for goods purchased in um, Great Britain. The, um, this um, mismatch in the tax rules is currently dealt with by concession by HRC. I do apologise, I have been on mute for 40 minutes and as soon as I come on, somebody knocks at the door and winds my dog up. It's becoming a feature of webinars, I'm, I, I can only apologise. Um, where was I? Yes, secondhand car dealers in Northern Ireland. Um, they are currently have equivalents with Great British um, secondhand car dealers by concession. Um, last budget, Rishi announced that there was going to be an export refund scheme to even things up legislatively, because it is, I, I think we'd all agree, unsatisfactory to um, implement a fair tax system by concession. Um, there were no announcements on that, um, and um, hopefully the lack of announcement will be rectified as we go forward through the year. And finally, um, the temporary reduced rate for tourism supplies is due to end on the 31st of March, so we all have just one week to go out and eat and drink and go to the cinema and the theatre and our local tourist attractions at 12.5% VAT tax. Um, from Friday onwards, it is going back to 20%. And those are the headlines um, in, um, in my, my sector of the tax system. Paul. Thank you very much, Sarah. Uh, really useful run through. We've had a couple of people point out, and I think you did there right, that on the fuel duty, the change is 5p per litre rather than 5%. I know that's right, Ooh. because I made exactly the same Sorry. mistake oh. in my first drafted of the of the summary document, and someone pointed it out to me. So yes, I think that's right uh, for those of you who've um, yeah. who've asked that uh, question. But thank you very much, Sarah. That was really interesting. Um, okay, and well, thank you everybody for those 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 presentations. Um, we've had a lot of really good questions and comments come through, but if you haven't sent en sent one through and you want to, please do so now. And while you're doing that, we thought we'd show you the answer to the poll from earlier. So hopefully that will flash up on screen shortly. Um, really fairly closely split, which I guess you know, just reflects the fact that no, there's no right answer clearly to this question. Um, but it does indicate you know, how narrow the sort of tight walk that the, the Chancellor has to um, uh, walk on these occasions. But thank you for voting, and you know it's an interesting to see how evenly matched it is. Before we go on to deal with the questions, we're just going to spend a bit of time. Well, Sharice is going to spend a bit of time uh, talking you through some of our services. Thank you, Paul. Okay, so I just want to echo um, that if you haven't popped your question in the box yet, please use this time now whilst I go through our continued support section. Um, 
any questions, just submit them and then we'll answer them at the end. So I just want to talk to you about the continued support um, from CronaEye here. So a recent initiative uh, that we have designed to support our customers is something called Navigate Me, and you'll be able to see this on the screen. Now, if you're used to Googling as a practice, um, this will Google our platform at the same time as your search terms are uh, submitted. And what this means is you get access to creditable and up-to-date information from our speakers that you see here today on this webinar and from the rest of the team. Um, so here's a short clip. And what I've done, I've, I've included this link in the handout section and our chat box. If you want more information of how this can be used to support you and your business, just follow that link and it will show you how this plugin can be designed and used to your benefit. Also, here at CoronaRai, uh, we can support all senior management teams from every industry. So today, we covered lots of different topics, um, and we have updated our platform to reflect this, but I just want to point out our quick link section here. Um, and this is basically collects all the information and puts them into topics. So you can see we've got a budget section here, 2020 do. And on this page, we'll have everything that we've covered today and more in the next coming days. So what you'll see on this link here, we'll change it from registering for this webinar and we will submit the recording. Also, um, in this webinar today, we did cover R&D, and we do get a lot of people asking about this and taking advantage of these reliefs. So the team have put together how to do this on our Navigate Tool section. So you can see this here. Let me take you to where you can find this on the platform. Um, so Navigate Tax, if you follow this through and you follow into Navigate Business, what you'll see is claiming tax reliefs over here. And then identifying R&D. So I'm just going to show you what we have, all the resources available to help you. We have various mind maps, calculators and fact sheets. And if I open up this mind map. So this is put together here uh, to help simplify your approach to your tax planning and this type of work. If you follow these links, it takes you to lots more information, in-depth guidance, and a lot more there. And also, I just want to show you one of the calculators that we have also. And we don't just have this on R&D. We have this on every single tax topic, um, and it will be available. So let me just open up this calculator. So it's not this one. Here we go. Can you see that at home? I'm not too sure you can. Bear with me a moment. Here we go. So hopefully you can see the right calculator I'm trying to find you. I don't know what's happening. Bear with me. Here we go. So again, we don't just have this for this topic, we have this for all the tax topics available. So other areas where we can support you, so it's not, it's not just tax, we offer support for audit and accounting and also HR and safety and other industries. Here is our new website. 
questions and take you through. So tax audit and accounting, human resources, health and safety, and other industry compliance. Other support that we also have available is a service called My VIP. So when you start looking at your client base for our Navigate Tax Tool and you feel this is more work than you anticipated, we do have a service called My VIP, which is a whole tax team of consultants that you can utilise um, for more of that complex work. So what I'm going to do now is going to bring you back to Q&A and I think, Paul, if you can share that for me. Sure. Brilliant, thank you. Okay, thanks. Um, so yeah, as I said, lots of questions. and I know some of the team have been answering some of them uh, on screen while we've been talking, but uh, I'll pick up on a few that, uh, that, are, that are on there. So I think this first one's for Martin. Um, can the self-employed still make voluntary class two contributions? Did you hear the question, Martin, or is it? No, sorry, I, I have the question and answer screen covering up my uh, okay. the mute, the mute facility, so I couldn't unmute myself. Uh, yes, I did, and the answer is yes, they can. Good, nice easy one to start with. Um, one for Stephen, I think. What if, uh, this, uh, this is obviously all around um, the basis period side of things. What if a trade makes a loss in the transitional year? Yeah, so in that case, the calculation is pretty much the same as for the profitable trade, profitable period. Uh, a key difference, though, is that any overlap profit will be treated as a, a terminal loss. Uh, so there's more opportunities for claim and relief for that. Uh, the remaining loss would be dealt with in the normal way. Okay, thank you. Uh, one for Sarah. Um, does the VAT cut on energy saving materials apply to limited companies or just individuals? Oh, um, yes, it applies to it applies to anybody. Um, the the, um, the VAT cut applies to the supply um, and uh, the installation and supply of energy saving materials, whether that is done by a limited company or a sole trader or a partnership. Okay, thank you. Um, okay. Oh, the, sorry, just occurred to me. The question might question well, might maybe about who the the person, yeah, the recipient. Yeah, the recipient. Yes, sorry, yes. That from yes. the wrong, 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 wrong angle. Um, the answer is my understanding is yes. Uh, the the chancellor's announcements are that the, the the scope of the relief is being is being widened and the social um, policy conditions that um, we used to have are being relieved. Obviously, we have to wait for the detail of the uh, of the legislation. Um, I'm assuming that will be published um, extremely shortly, um, if not, you know, as we are speaking. But yes, that, that is my understanding. Thanks, Sarah. Um, one for Glenn, I think we did touch on this in one of the presentations, but I think there's no harm in, in reinforcing the point. So uh, did, did the Chancellor announce any changes in corporation tax rates? Uh, no. Um, no changes were announced yesterday, but of course we were already aware that the main rate of corporation tax is going to go up to 25% next April, 1st of April next year, and the, at the same time the small, uh, small companies rate or small profits rate will be introduced 
with um, tapering up from the small profits rate to the main rate as your as your profits increase. And I'm not going to go into details on that now because it's pretty complex, but it's all there on the site uh, and I think in our Hardman's uh, tax tables publication. So nothing new, but it's uh, uh, but uh, the rates increases already announced are still going to happen. Thank you. Um, uh, one slightly more practical one, which I think Charisse, you, pro you may have touched on already, but a few people I think have asked, well, will they be getting the slides as part of the um, uh, yeah. uh, at the end of the uh, the, the session? Yes, they will. Tomorrow you'll receive an email from us and that will have a copy of the slides, the recording and all the additional continued support handouts that we have available. Great, thanks. Uh, and someone else was asking obviously about the, the calculator and will they be able to uh, download that? And again, I think the answer is yes yeah. on that. Mm -hmm. um, right, uh, I'll try you on this one, Stephen. Um, does the new basis period apply to foreign partnership profits, which also have overlap profits? That is a very good question, yeah. Uh, I believe so. From what I've seen of the legislation, I haven't seen any uh, any uh, way out of that for any trading entity, but certainly uh, it's something that we will look to cover in our webinar. So as I mentioned, the basis periods rules are extremely complicated. Uh, we've had a lot of changes made as well between the legislation being published in draft and then taking final form just a few weeks ago in the Finance Act. So yeah, I think a few questions have come in on basis periods and we'll certainly look to address all of them uh, in our webinar. Thanks, Stephen. Um, a couple more that I think I can address myself because they're straightforward. One one was asking about whether there are any changes on, on IHT uh, and, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, there was nothing uh, impacting on IHT announced yesterday. Uh, but obviously if anyone in the team has spotted something please shout uh and then the second one was um someone's asked about uh, you know some of the rumors around um changes to the cgt annual exemption uh and does that mean because that wasn't included in the chancellor's tax plan yesterday that it won't happen um well in a sort of way it was included in the tax plan because there was a there was a comment about um, reviewing the, I think, thousands, as they said, uh, of reliefs, tax reliefs that are out there at the moment, and having a having a a, a good old sort uh, through those. So it may well be that 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 something uh, you know, that, that 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 relief may also be one of the ones they look at. So um, uh, plenty to keep. As I say, with all of this stuff. A lot of hairs set running that we we here need to keep uh, keep an eye on and, and keep you informed about. Um, how are we doing for time, Sharice? In terms of questions, you, do you want me to see, do a few more or because um, yeah, there are... I, I think we should have a couple more. A couple more. Okay, let me have a look then. Uh... Do, do, do. It's interesting, quite a lot of the same questions are coming up. I think we've dealt with a lot of them. Um, okay, this is one for you, Martin. Uh, and I know you, you have answered it on screen, so I know you know the answer. 
Um, the 1.25% national insurance increase is a temporary measure for 22-23. It will then be removed but replaced with a 1.25 healthcare levy. Will this levy also be applied to dividend tax? Uh, well, the levy itself isn't applied to dividend tax, no. Um, but that's because it doesn't need to, because the income tax rate has gone up on dividends. Um, there's no plans to re reduce that income tax rate. So, indirectly, the answer is yes. It just won't be a separate health and social care levy charge on dividends. It's just an extra 1.25% tax rate on dividends. Got you. Okay, I think we might leave it there actually, Sharice, because I think a lot of the other, there's some very detailed questions on here that would probably benefit from a, a written re response. So um, okay. we'll pick those up later. Um, can I just, inter sorry, can I just quickly cool. interject? There was a question about um, red diesel. Um, and there are changes coming into effect with the um, use to which red diesel can be put. Um, they're coming into effect next Friday, the 1st of April. Um, I'm reluctant to talk um, off the top of my head about them because they are incredibly detailed and I'll probably forget one of the uses to which red diesel can be put. But once again, because this is a uh, tax on goods, there are slightly different rules in Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So if you are using red diesel, you need to double check them very carefully. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. So a massive and a huge thank you so much for everyone that's played a part in putting this webinar together and all the information around this. So one of our members of team will give you a call back to receive your feedback. And if you're interested in the continued support that I've mentioned earlier, then please let us know um, and we'll book you in to just go through exactly how we can continue to support you. Uh, the spring, spring statement summary PDF and recording will be available after this webinar in a follow-up email this week. Um, I say this week, it will be around tomorrow, uh, as well as that um, Excel calculator that we showed you during the webinar and more documents that we've had available for you to download. Any unanswered questions, they'll be provided a dedicated document in the follow-up as well, and we'll go through everything. So if you haven't had your question answered, which I think we've pretty much covered everything, they'll be there to just have a look through and read through again. Um, and if you require any further support, then please do let us know when we give you a call. A survey will pop up at the end of the screen at the end of the webinar. Please provide all your feedback. because It does help shape the future of the webinars that we do um, for the upcoming year. Uh, a special mention also to one of the accountants in business events that we are hosting this year. So this has been around for quite a few years, actually. Last year, it, had, it was digital. And at the end of the year, we run a survey and over 97% of people said they would attend again, but as long as it's in person. So this year we are launching a series of dates um, for a two day course and it's in person and this will be up and down the country. So if you are interested, if you're an accountant in business and you would like to attend our two day event um, and it offers you a, an agenda full of HR issues, things like cybersecurity, value added governance, uh, financial report update, again, tax and our VAT update. And part of the ticket, you'll have the option to attend our networking drinks as well with your industry peers. Then follow this link. And also the link was in the chat option as well. But let the person know when you do speak to them on the phone after this webinar, if you are interested, and they will share with you the prices and how to sign up. 
So from me again, a massive thank you to all of our expert speakers today and everyone behind the scenes putting the content together for you available on the platform. Hope you've enjoyed the webinar. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Have a good afternoon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.